Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 35 on using technology to improve democratic participation. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope and I'm joined by Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd and Digital Editor Sam Bright. Breaking news as we begin recording the podcast today, David Davis has either resigned, not resigned, or is about to resign. Who knows? Essentially, when I say breaking, he's more evergreen, really. He's, um, he's a man who loves resigning. I think we might have to make this into a, a regular segment on the podcast just to update people on, on where on the David Davis resignation scale he currently is. I think that's a great plan. Today, yeah. Today's been about an 8.8. It's been very exciting. He's really on the precipice of, of resigning, but... Mm. I'm sure listeners by this point will know what the outcome of that was, but we've been on tenterhooks all morning to know whether this Thursday is the one where he's going to resign. I just don't think he will. I think he'll just stay. I think he just likes causing a fuss. I don't think he felt like he had enough attention. Maybe he just likes saying he'll resign. Yeah. I imagine he's the kind of person that if he didn't get served in a pub quick enough, goes, I'm resigning. I'm just going to leave. Okay, fine. (laughs) No one will notice. So... Anyway, back to... So on Tuesday's show, we had Arik Chowdhury from... Webroots Democracy Think Tank joining us. And in particular, we were talking about the potential of online voting. Now, we held an online poll to get our listeners' feelings about online voting, in which 52% came out against the idea, ironically. So does this mean we now get like two years of like torturous political debate, couple of government departments, nothing really happens and everyone calls for us to vote again on it. That sounds good. How, how do you, you, you fit that, Sam? Yeah, no, considering that I, I, I agreed with the 52%, I think we need a hard, no holds barred, no online voting ever again, no <laughs> revote. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, fine, I, Sam, I, you're our digital editor. So if you if you want to talk yourself out of a job there. Are you at all torn by the outcome of this online vote on online voting? Um, no, I, I, I totally rigged uh, the whole thing. I, I basically came <laughs> out of the came out of the podcast and thought the three of the people on the podcast didn't agree with me. You got a lot of online. So I wanted the love. Have you got Russian bots who have been fixing yeah, this? He's just uh, set them up. He's yeah. just set them up himself. Yeah. This is the first time in like, so we do, we, we love a bit of an online Twitter poll in the office. This is the first one I've ever lost. But can I just say, Sam, you didn't tell me you were doing it. So 
I think this is why. You didn't this have a chance to campaign. I did, yeah, exactly. Where was yeah. my side to pitch it? How, how long was it up for? I didn't vote. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. With the two fellow podcast people didn't vote, Sam. I'm just going to say, I'm not sure that this is what the public intended. <laughs> oh, you could have swung it. You could have swung it. I mean, I definitely would have swung it. This is a disgrace. This week, we also hosted an event with Amelia Showalter, the head of digital analytics on Barack Obama's 2012 presidential campaign. There was an in-conversation chaired by Shadow Digital Minister Liam Byrne. It was open to members of the Progress 100 Club and the 1000 Club. We've got a short clip here of Showalter explaining how data analysis can help in sharpening political messages. If you are going to go try to persuade people from the other side, what kind of message are you going to use? And I think that we're not, we're not very good at developing that message because, you know, we're over in our corner and we have, you know, we have our ideals, and so we based all base all our messages assuming that other people should 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 want to vote for us for those same reasons. Um, but then it turns out, actually, if you uh, like, okay, just to give an example, some people uh, a few years ago did some absolutely fascinating research um, into uh, the kinds of messages that would persuade liberals and conservatives on particular issues. So. Um, one of the issues, this was before we, before we passed gay marriage. So uh, they asked liberals, um, you know, design a, design a message that you think would convince conservatives to support gay marriage. Um, and so liberals, you know, like, like, oh, we love and equality and all these things that we, this is, you know, we, we designed this message. Anyway, you use those messages on conservatives and they don't care. They don't, they don't like that, that message. Um, it turns out that what did persuade conservatives on the issue of gay marriage was saying that uh, these gay couples are tax-paying American citizens. They deserve the same, you know, they, they deserve to be uh, part of these benefits because they're paying taxes. Um, and yeah, yeah, and so it's like certainly like, oh, taxes, right? But like, you know, as a bleeding heart liberal, like I don't care, I don't taxes, whatever. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about love. Um, you know? But it's like, if there is this message out there, like if there is a message that you could develop that would convince people on the other side to, to side with you, you should use it. So what did you guys make of, of the event uh, this week with Amelia, and, and what do you make of um, of that argument? I thought it was a, a fantastic event. I mean, I would I would say that being a, a self proclaimed tech geek, so no, I thought it was I thought it was fascinating, and that, and that argument in particular, I thought was very insightful and accurate. One thing I'd say is that social media has kind of acted to the detriment of reaching beyond our base. I think again, I'm being a digital skeptic, Steph. Despite the fact that. It's just a world of contradictions, Sam. I think the problem with social media is that we have, or many um, politicians have an initial reaction and tweet it out to their followers. They get lots of retweets, which acts as confirmation bias to their argument. And then they think, oh, maybe I should develop upon that and use it in my, use that argument in general discourse. And as a result, you sort of get confirmation bias built into the system throughout. The seeds of the idea are confirmed through your supporters on Twitter, and then you decide to take that um, to a wider audience. And um, I think this is a big issue for um, for reaching out and and trying to stretch stretch your appeal beyond your your core base. I think it's really important in the sense that we are never going. We, we've stopped kind of trying to win people over in lots of ways. We kind of we now kind of when people believe particularly i think on the on the left in general but even you're seeing it now in terms of brexit like and and the kind of really right of politics 
when we believe that we're right on things, we just shout at people until they kind of attempt to agree with us, which I think is why we're in such a situation that we are with British politics, with a hung parliament and so many people feeling like they're not represented because what we're not trying to do at any point is reach out and go, well, how are we going to make that relevant to someone? How's this, how's this going to happen? And actually the uh, equal marriage kind of debate that she was talking about is a really interesting one to look at. Um, and one of the things that we're seeing now as well is for the first time, um, there's a real shift in uh, kind of the older generation's perception on whether equal marriage is a good thing or not and gay rights. Normally it was kind of very, the young kids loved it. They were much more progressive and the older people were not a fan. But actually now we're seeing situations where people are starting to come out to their grandparents, which they never used to do. So it's all making it all much more personal. And I think one of the things that I also thought was very important was the distinction that she made about where you draw the line on that. And I think um, what I found quite interesting was um, actually we can see how this plays out in um, practical uh, application of politics um, quite recently in, in the repeal referendum in Ireland, for instance, and you know, Neve Neve Willone, who was our guest for the episode on you just, repeal. You really love showing off how well you can say her name, don't you? <laughs> This is why you do it. But she, but that's the only reason we invited her on. Um, <laughs> but she wrote a piece for the New Statesman um, back in January uh, about essentially the conservative m- messaging of the yes vote uh, in Ireland, which she said, you know, it's not what I would want uh, in terms of it, it doesn't really kind of mirror my feelings about why we're arguing for it. But I do think it will be more successful. And obviously we saw that it, you know, 66%. Uh, yes vote so, so that kind of stuff is really interesting and um actually i think we start starting to see in the past year and a half or so jeremy corbyn get a lot better at this as well i think if you look on the back of for instance national security things like that he makes it about police cuts and austerity and so actually he's kind of using a way of talking about national security and things that he might be weaker on but might play better with a different type of audience to actually talk about his economic policy, which obviously is, is quite left wing. Yeah. But I think, I think the important thing that kind of Amelia follows up when we were at the bent kind of after that clip was the idea of where it is that you draw the line on some of these things. So she was like, you know, when it comes to things like that, she was like, you know, I'm a bleeding heart lefty in terms of, you know, when she was like, you know, I care about love and it's the right thing to do and it's people's rights. But the pragmatist in her was like, if we can win the argument by that and make people's lives better and change things for the better, then let's change some of the messaging and try and take people with us and on that journey. But there are red lines as to where you'll go with that stuff. So particularly when she was talking about the kind of right wing kind of defense on immigration and the concepts that, you know, she's not going to sit there and say that immigrants from Canada would be better than immigrants from Mexico, for example. And there's a very clear reason as to why the clear distinction between those two things. And it's about knowing where you kind of come from on that and where you would draw the line on it. And I yeah, think- so I think the example that she used was defending, um, obviously Trump uh, specifically has attacked uh, immigration from um, Mexico. Mm. And he said, if we were having that argument and trying to win that debate, I think there is a way you could win it by saying, well, actually... Mexicans are Christians, and so they uphold Western Christian values. Mm. But immigration from Muslim countries is is bad. And in a practical level, you're always going to get more 
immigration from Mexico. So it kind of makes sense to win the argument on that. Mm. But she said, I wouldn't want to make that argument because actually yeah. it completely goes against what my values are on a more basic level. Yeah, there's a difference between trying to bring people with you and thinking how can you construct a message that takes people from where they are and goes to them and brings mm. them along in an argument than, the, than that just totally sells out everything you believe in and is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, it, it's essentially is about a progressive endpoint and getting a messaging that can get people who are not necessarily feel attached on a values level yeah. to progressive endpoints to believe in that endpoint anyway. And, and actually, you know, I said that Corbyn, I think on on some levels of this has become much better at it, but on some elements such as uh, in the last manifesto kind of ending free movement and more widely on Brexit, mm. I still think we're, we're not quite there. And, and actually what, like, what, what, the, like... what the ground has been shifted there is to a conservative endpoint. Yeah, like we're now, you know, pro-migrant, but anti-immigration. Like it's it's all a very mm. strange kind of situation that we found ourselves in. But Amelia was fantastic and it was brilliant to see a woman talking about data and tech. And like she was, in, you know, Liam was really good at being able to pull out, obviously his knowledge on this stuff is really good. So he was really good at being able to pull out some of those things about the political messaging and and, and how you kind of sculpt some of that. So if anyone's ever got any opportunity to kind of see some of the stuff when she speaks and things like that, she would 100% do it. She's she's absolutely fab. And if anyone is interested, we have lots of events just like that uh, for members of our 100 Club. If you want to join the 100 Club, you can go to prog.rs forward slash 100 club and find out how to join there. Now, every week I ask a political pub quiz question. This week asked what the first Labour leadership contest was in which there was a full members ballot. Did either of you get this right? I did when you told me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly, the, that's basically <laughs> the same, isn't it? Steph, did you know? No. So uh, quite a few people answered 1983, which is an interesting answer because that was the first time that members were given a say in the leadership contest. But that was the first leadership contest in which there was constituency Labour Party block votes. And so each party would get, each local party would get one vote towards the leader but it wasn't until the john smith reforms of the 90s uh, that all members got a say so 1994 was the first election carried out under under those uh, which included a one member one vote element i can't remember who won that contest 94 john prescott he yeah john prescott he he became labor leader in 1994 i think didn't he yeah i, don't, I mean whoever it was i don't think they made any impact i'll have to look that up We'll edit this. Um, (laughs) Only two leadership contests were held under those rules, with the second coming in 2010. Um, Connor Bodler, Amy Amiro and Luke Pagliaro got that right. Um, I think uh, Mug has already been sent to Connor Bodler, but um, I'm sure we can send them to Amy and Luke, who got them within a minute of each other, I think. If you have had a previous question right and have had no Mug, we have plenty in the office now. Please do get in touch and we will sort that out. Remember to send in any comments and questions. Leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. We'll be back on Tuesday with an episode on trade, which is also the topic of the latest Progress magazine, which should be landing with members and subscribers now. I've got one last thing. I've got an option for another Twitter poll. I think we should carry this on. Ooh. Should I have a Love Island segment or not on the podcast? Right. Okay. If you, go to, if you go to the Progress Online Twitter account, you can find a poll about whether we should <laughs> be running... literally hates me now. <laughs> <laughs> whether we should be running a regular segment on Love Island on the Progressive Britain podcast. We would love to hear your views. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.